0: The Cost Camps Coaches Show, episode 16. Coaches, welcome to the Cost Camps Coaches Show. Today's guest is Coach Rob Wilderson. He's the head football coach at Cedar Crest High School in Lebanon, PA. Coach Wilderson graduated from Lafayette, and he he became an assistant at Anvil Cleona High School, his alma mater. From Anvil, he, he... Spent time as an assistant at Susquehanna Township. Spent time as an assistant at Cedar Crest. Came back to Anvil as an assistant. And then was hired at Cedar Crest as the head football coach. He's going to be entering his ninth season as the head football coach this coming fall. Coach Wilson, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Coach. Thanks for having me.
0: Coach, is uh, he's, he's now we were just talking about this. We can now consider him a, a veteran. Um, and he's he's gonna kind of roll with that. He's got advice to give to coaches that, you know, might be new to a program, might be uh, taking over a program. And when he took over Cedar Crest, Cedar Crest um was not a, a powerhouse. They play in the LL Section One, which is is uh now filled with powerhouses. But he's gonna speak on what it takes to to kind of take a program from from the bottom of the league to to something that's respectable. Go ahead, if you can talk on that, Coach.
1: Sure. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, you know, I, I, again, I I tend to think of this as you know what would you know, X's and O's. Again, we can get a lot of that from college coaches and and uh, and other guys. But uh, when you take over a program, you know that's that's where uh, you, you really wish you had somebody to to give you some guidance on how to do it, especially if you're taking over a program that's struggled uh historically and again when i took over cedar crest in 2014 um you know they were 27 and 73 over the previous 10 years um they had gone through you know two two coaches it just wasn't a lot of consistency there um there was a time where at one point they had you know 35 kids on a 6a team right now 4a at that time but you know present day 6a team and so you know i i always said you know it was was like taking over uh you know, a a ship that needed complete, you know, complete rebuild, right. Needed to be built. It wasn't about trying to even make it seaworthy. It was about getting, finding all the pieces and getting it back together. Right. And, and that for me was the part where I was like, okay, where do you start? You know? And I remember when, when I decided to do it, when I said yes in 14 to becoming the head coach, I, I don't know what it was. I don't, I just said to my wife, I said, she said, who's going to be your assistants. And I said, you know, I had some thoughts, but I was like, people are gonna pop up. I I, I don't know what it, why I felt that way, but I was like, people are gonna pop up. People are gonna I need, and I need to listen, you know. And 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 it did happen for me. Um, people did pop up, and and there were many guys that I talked to and considered helping me, and and um, quite frankly, um, guys that I some guys that I hired that I've since told, you know, I was recommended not to hire. Um, and, and I, you know, needed to use my best judgment to, to try to figure out what was in the best interest of the program and getting, getting the program rebuilt. Um, and I had great assistance right away. My assistants have been very loyal to me. I really haven't lost any. Um, I had Tom Gerhardt who again played in the NFL. He reached out to me about coaching and, um, yeah, I mean, like that was a no brainer. We sat down and talked to one one evening in his garage, I remember, and, and um, you know, I, I didn't know him. so I, I sat there, talked to him. You know, we kicked around what, what our ideas were on defense. I know it was a mutual interview. I was interviewing him. He was interviewing me. And, um, and you know, we ended up um, committing. You know, Tom ended up committing to the team, and I had, hired Thomas, my defensive coordinator, and um, still a good friend of mine. Uh, Brandon Kirsch, I didn't know, who was an offensive coordinator, who's my current, still my offensive coordinator, again reached out to me. Uh, we went and sat down again, same thing. It was a dueling interview. Um, I picked up and I hired him. Um, I hired Nick Lambros, So I hired a bunch of good guys, but I think that you know, if I again, my advice to somebody starting fresh is, you know, don't go in with anything closed, no closed doors, right? I was willing to talk to anybody, even people that you know, when I said, hey, I'm going to interview. Somebody and somebody, you know, there's always somebody out there with an opinion on another person. Don't don't talk to him or he did this or she. They they have their own agendas. Um, I'm gonna form my own opinions. I'm gonna make my own decision in the best interest of the school that I've now been hired by to uh, to to form the best staff and best program I can. And so that's what I I did. Is I I went and got the best guys I thought I could get for the kids, guys that I thought the kids could relate to, guys that I thought knew football. And that I knew new football, not thought, but knew new football. And, and, um, you know, I, I didn't come at it from a, well, I want to be, I want to call plays or I need to call the defense or I need to call the offense. I had somebody tell me, um, people know, well, who told me you'll never be successful because you're not calling the offense. I said, okay. You know, and I, and okay, thanks for the advice. And and I moved on, you know, um, you'll never be successful because you're not calling the defense. Okay. You know, all right. Thanks. Sounds good. Talk to you later. You know, uh, again, that's their opinion, and that's fine. Uh, but, again, those were decisions I had to make is, I, I, you know, if I had capable um, assistants that I can, knew could do the job, well, then that freed me up to do other things is the way I looked at it, and I could still be influential on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. So that was kind of where I started with, with, um, with uh, assistance. Again, that's, you know, for anybody that's just getting their first job, um, as a head coach or taking over a program that's struggling, right? Go get the best assistance you can get. And again, don't close the doors to anybody. would be my first, first bit of advice. Secondly, then I just honestly started, uh, I, my goal the first year and how I succeeded at this was to, to make the team the largest football team in Cedar Crest history. Um, I, we had 78 kids, I think on the team. Uh, my thinking was, if I could get five kids to sign up for the football team, maybe one of them helps the team. Um, that was good enough odds for me because again, we're got to keep in mind you're coming from a program. That's just really, really struggling. We didn't have a lot of participation. Um, you know, the, the, the vibe in the school was football's terrible. Um, you know, the kids, the kids in the school, they even, you know, they weren't playing trash the program all the time. And I was like, this, this needs to change. How do you do this? You get the kids invest in the program um, more and more, the better. Uh, And you just start to try to develop players as best as you can. But again, trying to make that team as big as possible, just really actively recruiting the school and even kids that, quite frankly, I knew probably wouldn't help us on the football field, but maybe one of their other friends will, you know, or maybe we can develop them in time. Again, that's just kind of where we started uh, was just trying to to make the team as large as possible. And uh, again, right away, my first year, at least we looked like a 4A football team, right now 6A team, where we had a sideline that had 75 kids on it. Um, okay, a lot of them weren't great football players, but you know they were there and they were committed, and that that went a long way in the school. Then we had 75 bodies actively promoting the school and what was going on with the program. Um, I thought that was important for us as well, and so that's kind of how we got things started.
0: Coach, um, can I can I building. can I stop yep. you there and just ask you? just to, is it, were there any specifics, anything that you did to, to get guys to come out? I know you talked about how you, you, you took anybody in and hoping that it would spread from there, but was there anything to get those initial guys to come out?
1: It's, that's always the tough part. You know, like every, sometimes, you know, people go in, you take over and you take over. So this is a basketball school or this is a baseball school. Right. This is a, you know Right. And so, um, again, you know, I tried to be as lenient as possible and, and, um, sometimes to the point that it like pained me, but I knew that I'd fail if I didn't do it. Um, you know, I remember taking on a hockey kid and he'd be like, but I'm going to have to miss practice once October starts. I'm going to have to miss. And I, and I, again, right then and there, you know, a lot of coaches would be like, well, absolutely not. You know, and they dig in their heels and, and, and I, I would usually do things like, well, let's talk about it when we get there. You know, like, let's just come on, man. I need you. We need you. Let's talk about it when we get there. And, um, kind of win battles like that by not forcing kids to pick right then in the moment. I always have a saying, I always tell my coaches, like if you force a kid to choose, um, be ready they they might not choose you. So that's always been my attitude too, is I'm not going to ever tell a kid to choose my sport or another sport because you got to be careful. They may yeah. not pick you. In fact, usually what happens is when kids are told that by other sports and, I, and, and I've had that happen. Garrett, Debian, who's at, um, who's at slippery rock. and is a, Yeah. Heck of a football player he was a hockey kid who had that, he was that exact story. came out, never played football, hockey kid. And he, he, he said to me, my hockey coach, I'll never forget. He came to me and he said, the hockey coach said, I need to choose either football or hockey. What do you think? And I said, listen, man, you got to do what's best for you. I love you. We want you on this team, you know, whatever. And the next day he came to practice and he's like, I told my hockey coach I'm playing football. (laughs) And I was like, and that's I told my assistants, I said, see, don't tell a guy don't tell right, him to pick because right. he may not pick that's you, very you know? interesting you know and so that's that's been my friend again i get it you know we all want to be that Yep. that that hardcore you know coach that that you know got to commit and this and that and i could have done that and trust me i wanted to do that you know and the uh the authoritarian you know coach and uh, you know but but i would have failed i would have failed i saw it fail you know before me and and that was that was I wasn't going to fail like that. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't going to fail because I couldn't get kids. So you know, that was the biggest thing is just trying to get guys, be accommodative. And then honestly, walk the halls. <laughs> I just walked the halls like crazy. And anybody that looked like they could possibly hold up shield. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. honestly, it was like, dude, you should think about coming out for football. And that's, that's what I did. Um, you know, and then again, um, I, I involve a lot of people. I have my father involved in the program. I have my wife involved in the program. And, and I always say to my guys too, like, You've got, you know, 70 kids on a football team, right? It, there's most of the kids probably don't like me. It, it, why would they? I'm one, you know, I don't, I don't, it's not that they dislike me, but I'm probably not their favorite coach. I don't have to be their favorite coach. I just need one of you guys to be their favorite coach. You know what I mean? I need, I have kids that come to practice and are like, I love your dad. I love when your dad's there. I have kids that come to practice and go, I love your, you know, treat Tuesday. We have treat Tuesdays. That's uh, again, something we've done for years when my wife brings brings cookies and snacks on Tuesdays after practice. There's little hooks, you know what I mean? To just try and again, keep kids coming. And I get it. If you're taking over a powerhouse and you're listening to this, you're probably like, that's just stupid. (laughs) I didn't take over. I didn't take over a powerhouse. You know what I mean? If I took over a powerhouse, I wouldn't have had to do some of that stuff either. I took over a, a you know, I took over the small six day school in the state. At least that's what we were last year. You know, that's playing, like you said, the powerhouse section one, Lancaster Lebanon league football. You know, and, and, and I'm trying to compete on a year in and year out basis. And that's, that's what I'm trying to do, you know, and, and I, and I liken it to like being, you know, like Northwestern in the big 10, you know, or Maryland in the big 10, you know, you think Maryland sits around talking about winning a big 10 title? No. Um, If they do, they're, they're, you know, they I guarantee they want to, and they're trying to, don't get me wrong, but you know.
0: They're it's, just trying to get a winning record right they're, now. They're I trying to. What, what are saying? they talking
1: about? They're talking about bowl games.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. They're
1: talking about. They're talking about realistic expectations. Yeah. They aren't saying Maryland's not. Maryland's not hanging a thing on the wall this year, saying national title or bust. Right. Like Alabama is. Right. You know. And that's. I think again, realistic expectations, and and that's you know when you're when you're where we are. Don't get me wrong. I want to win a state title, but that's going to happen if those things happen. To a district title. They happen you know because of the the uh, the pieces that we put in place in years you know prior to just having the right team to make something like that click you know yeah. um, again it's not it's it's not something you just you know say boom or bust because otherwise it just sets you up for failure the long be.
0: game you're talking about the long game
1: right right yeah. absolutely yeah. i always i've said to my guys we're not a house of cards i'm not going to be a house of cards you know where it just everything collapses You know, we've got we're very stable. Again, I've my existence been around forever. Um, We are who we are. We do what we do Uh, offensively and defensively. We're not much of a mystery, but we play hard. You know, you know, we my goal again is, you know, I don't I don't want the teams even, you know, a team that's beaten us. I think Wilson's beaten Cedar Crest. I don't know the numbers. I knew them this year. It was something like we it's like forty-seven six and one. I think all time is the record or something like that. It's something gross. I don't even know if it's six. It might be like forty-seven four and one. It's like it, come on now. Like right, you know, to that's the history of of that. But I don't want a team like Wilson or Mannheim Township to to show up at Cedar Crest every year going all right. Well, Mercy rule these guys by halftime and the game's over. You know, I want them to be like we got to play hard or we're gonna get beat. You know, we got to play hard or we're gonna bring our A game or these guys are gonna beat us. And that's my goal, year after year. And again, you know, that's I think that's how we've been able to to get a couple upsets that have been pretty big upsets in the past couple of years as well.
0: Guy on your staff you didn't mention is Brian Powers, and I'm not <laughs> I'm not I'm not bringing up his name. Don't that, I don't want the guy to get too big of a. He's already got a. He is a head. podcast guy. He's okay. probably listening to
1: this live. That's how big of a podcast guy.
0: He, he mentioned to me before that he loves working for you because of the your schedule because of the yeah. you don't you're not a grinder so to speak to. "Quote yeah. unquote," is that something too that's kind of part of your philosophy in terms of hiring people? You know, you talked about I, leniency with players. Is that kind of like I don't want to say it's along the same lines, but is that is that kind of the same idea with hiring co- good coaches?
1: My philosophy is you have to do what works for you and your program. There, there. I guarantee you, if I got hired today, if I was hired today from Cedar Crest to another high school, again, I, I would adapt myself. To their situation, you know, and 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 that's my that's my opinion. Um, to be honest with you, there's a huge piece of me that goes home a lot of times, wishing that that I'd like I'd like to do more. Um, I cut because I love football. I could stay on a football field all day and all night, um, but I know that I'd lose kids, right? Yeah. Kid, not all. I need I need I need the kid who's in love with baseball. Um, and is a pretty good basketball player, but kind of likes football, I need that kid on my team. Do you know what I mean? I can't afford to lose that kid because the commitment's just too big because, because of the fact that we're again, a smaller six, a school. So I can't chase that kid out. I desperately need them to compete. So I have to find that, that level that works. And again, I think that's, you know, my advice to, again, guys starting a program, be, be adaptable, you know, um, some could, like I said, somebody telling you, here's how you do it. Here's how you start a program. Uh, you know, again, your, your situation is different than mine. Um, I guarantee it just cause again, all these schools have such different personalities. So you just need to kind of go with it. So my scheduling that Brian likes is really to be adaptable, right? Again, all of my coaches have young families. And so would I rather have, um, excellent coaches with young families that need me to be adaptable or would I rather have, um, lesser coaches, I guess that's the way I say coaches that, that aren't as experienced that aren't as um, knowledgeable that uh, that can be there all day and all night. You know, that's, that's, that's a trade-off, you know? So I want the best coach to me. The answer is what do I got to do? I remember again, Tom Gerhardt when he, you know, because of the business that he runs, he would say to me, you know, every once in a while, look, I'm going to have to miss a practice here because I have to do that. And it's like, look, you know, I get it. I, you got to do it. And, you know the trade-off is, is that I have, in my opinion, uh, the best defense coordinator in the Eastern League when he was there, and um, now Nick Lambrose, who works with me, I, I still feel like is, uh, who's learned a lot from Tom, is the best defense coordinator that in the league. So, um, again, there's trade-offs, right? There's trade-offs to everything, and that's 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 how I handle it. it again, there's probably a lot of guys listening to this who wouldn't feel the same uh, because you're in a different situation, but that works for my situation
0: to the the other sports coaches at Cedar you talked about Cedar Crest being a, a really small 6A school but it's yeah. still it's still a decently uh it's a decent sized school and sure. I I've, I've talked to other coaches that that coach at small schools and you know they they kind of have the same philosophy where the, the, you got to let the other players play you got to let players play other sports but mm-hmm. At small schools, it's kind of easier to, I guess, rein in the other coaches too and get them on board with some sort of off season lifting program or strength program because it, it would help benefit their sport. Do you find that's the case still at Cedar Crest? Or is, is I know it's some, if it's a big school, sometimes there's a real disconnect between the, the football coach and the basketball coach or the basketball coach and the baseball coach, so on and so forth. Is that the case there?
1: Uh, we work well together at Cedar Crest. Yeah. Honestly, the, coach, the other coaches and I have always worked well together. Tommy Smith, who is uh, the head basketball coach, has uh, has been on my staff as a volunteer in the past. Um, and I obviously coached with him. At ba- I coached six years of basketball with him. So so we have a history there. The baseball coach has turned over a little bit. Uh, but I've always had a good experience with those guys. Track and field. Rob Bear's is great. So that's never been never been an issue for me is working with, with the other guys. Um you know, I, I just feel like when it comes to weightlifting, like that's a whole other story. Um, you know, those teams, the schools, in my opinion, that have separated themselves uh, have from the bunch uh, are the ones that are that are lifting in in their school day. Um, that that to me is if you can get if you can get a first period lifting in and I know some I don't want to call them out, but I know some of the schools that have, you know, period zero or first period lifting. Um, where you can get your team in there and get them lifting together before then they start their school day, or uh, as a part of their first period of the school day. That's that's the game changer, and that's where that's where the teams are able to really able to to create a little bit of uh, daylight between themselves and their opponents.
0: I'm seeing that more and more with, with football programs, I'm, and like yeah. uh, some places, I'm surprised that they're they're starting to do it. So yeah. that that might be something that becomes more common. It might come to Cedar Crest someday, but I, I would I, never.
1: Now, again, I've been here for, this is going into my ninth year, but I would say it like this. If if I was going through an interview process or if I was advising somebody going through an interview process, in that interview I'd say to the school that I was interviewing at, I'd say, do we have in-school lifting? And if the answer is no, I'd be like, "Are were there plans for in-school lifting? And if the answer is no, we'll never do that, I'd be like, thanks for your time. Honestly. Because, again, you're just going to beat your head against the wall. If the, the kid across from you, at the end of the day, you know <laughs> – X's and O's only get you so far. I can have the best X's and O's, but if that one X throws my O 10 yards right into the backfield and knocks <laughs> right. the quarterback over, you know, like it doesn't matter. Yeah. I've seen, it. I've been on the other side of that too many times. I mean, we joked about, oh my gosh, our first year we played, uh, we played lower dolphin and uh, they were very good. I mean, that was right, right when they were, um I was right coming off their district road title run that they that they had. And that was, that's a feat in and of itself. But um that um we play them and we ran because of what they were doing um they had two defenders over three all night and I was like throw a bubble throw a bubble just throw a bubble screen right they have they have two defenders they only have two defenders and we got three wide receivers out there <laughs> their outside backer I swear to you picked up our receiver and threw him like three straight times <laughs> threw him into the receiver that caught the ball so it was like you know like it's the right call. The, 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 you know, so. If that dude's just that much stronger, then you can X and O yourself to all you want to, but you lose. You know what I mean? And you and 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 everybody in the stands are going, you know, you don't know what you're doing. No, I know what I'm doing. That's the right call. It's that O is not as good as that X. You
0: know, so I'm gonna make the educational pitch for for period zero lifting or period in school lifting, whatever you want to call it. I I feel like um, (laughs) there. A young man, a young man in the classroom, will yeah. learn so much better if he has exhausted some physical energy before <laughs> he has to sit down and and listen to a teacher talk or do some sort of worksheet. I feel like there is some sort, there is something to that.
1: There Whether is, but right I think
0: wrong. The, that's that's my pitch.
1: The better argument is this, and I haven't haven't found anybody to 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 be able to go against it. I've had this meeting multiple times myself. I walk into these meetings and I say the same thing over and over again. And I said, I want and I'll usually start before the meeting starts. I go, I want everybody to understand why we're here. We're here about time. We're here about time. We have young men that are we want to be top notch students, right? That we want to participate in other sports. Right? How do how does a kid go to school? Right, jump on a bus, go play a game at Conestoga Valley, come back home at ten thirty, right, study, do his homework, and get a lift in. You know, how does that happen? You can't do it. Right. Right. You can't do it. There's not enough time. You run out of time in the day. So you've got to incorporate it into the day somehow, some way. And those that are again are doing it, being creative about it, I think are again, like I said, separating themselves.
0: Well, I am seeing it more, especially in Lancaster County. I'm seeing most, a lot of those schools do, I shouldn't say most, but a lot of those schools are doing it. And in Maryland, it's become a really popular thing in Maryland, all over the place down there. So there must be some sort of educational component to it, and and maybe some of the the districts are taking into account what you're saying with time, for sure.
1: I I mean, I don't know. Again, listen, what do, what you're getting me rolling here, but (laughs) what do do we want from, what do we want from our students? You know, my daughter's, um, going into, you know, middle school next year. And I don't know if she will or won't be an athlete, but maybe she's in the musical. What do I want? I want her to have the best experience possible. Maybe she's in the band. I want her to have the best experience possible, right? Maybe she's in, um, you know, putting together some something with film. I want her to have the best experience possible. So it's not, you know, sometimes people say, ah, oh, it's athletes, right? And I, guys, come on, we want, if, I want all these kids to have the best opportunity, best experience they can have period that's what we, our goals should be as educators in my opinion
0: i, I don't know if you i'm, I'm going to change subjects again here but do it i don't know Let's if you did it. this intentionally yeah but, but don't all you guys you, you'd say you work with the uh, uh well first of all it's you do a good job of hiring coaches that work at cedar crest yeah i think that i mean that's a big time credit to you and are are, you, are are you guys in the same department? You guys all, are you guys all, <laughs> social science teachers or social studies teachers, whatever they call it these days.
1: No, we we most of us are. Coach Lambert, Coach Powers, myself. Okay. Are social studies teachers, and then uh, Coach Dresh is is uh, science. Okay. And Coach Hassler is English slash. Um, oh, I really like the. Uh, He's in charge of the morning announcements, of that crew, the uh, audio-video stuff. So, uh, uh, yeah, he does all that stuff then too. So, well, yeah, so I mean, mostly social studies guys.
0: It's still a huge so. help that all you guys are in the building. You all know who's, who's there throughout the day. You can all pull yep. guys aside and talk to them about what you need to talk to them about. I think that's a great thing.
1: I don't know how you could do it without. Right. Again, I don't know how you do it. So, my guys are a huge help to me. I Again, my staff is has made us um, – you know, competitive. Right. And that's, that's what this goes back to. You know, if you kept listening, you're still listening, you're probably going, you know, what's this about? This is about how do you take a, a team with a 27% winning percentage over 10 years and get it up to, you know, where we currently are, which is about 55%, you know? And so that's, that's, that's not easy to do. Um, and, you know, it takes a lot of work from a lot of, a lot of people.
0: The first point you made was, uh, you know, as the head football coach, you got to make your own decisions. You're going to get yeah. get a lot of advice from people that, that, you know, you, you shouldn't listen to. Yep. Are there, do you have mentors or, or are there people that you can credit that did help you in this process? Like, did you have people to help you?
1: Um, I mean, I think over the years, like once I took over, I didn't call anybody and say, Hey, tell me what to right. do. But, um, you know, certainly you learn that stuff. It starts with Terry Lehman, who was my coach and my, uh, you know, first, first, first head coach that I worked for as an assistant at Anvil Cleona. Um, coach Lehman always had a different way of doing things and sometimes it bothered people, but you know what, it worked. Yep. Um, cause we were always, again, that that same team that was, you know, just always, you know, nipping at your leg. Um, and, uh, certainly Joe Heaton at Susquehanna Township. Again, I learned a lot from him. That was, um, three of my favorite years of my, of my coaching career up in, in Harrisburg uh, and a great experience for me as a coach. Um, and then, you know, obviously you learn some things from coaches along the way that you don't want to do, you know, and I don't want to do this. And part of it's not just because you don't want to be like that or something, but because it's like, it's not my personality, right? Yep. If you try to fake who you are, you know, to, to, I got, you know, I want to sound like Nick Saban. I yeah. can't sound like Nick right. Saban. I can only <laughs> sound like Rob Wilson. Like, you know, like that's, I'm real. You know, I'm, I'm pretty, i'm pretty real and i don't think that's i think that resonates too with the kids you know i'm 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 honest i'm straightforward and and i'm me you know and and i don't try to be somebody else because i think then it becomes um it's not authentic and the kids can see right through that
0: yeah the the uh the youngsters they're they're all, they all, they they can see through uh Someone who's not being genuine, I think once they sure. realize you're genuine, then they're gonna start listening to you a, a, a lot more than some a stranger that might yeah. even be genuine but but they just yeah. don't know it yet
1: For yeah sure yeah, absolutely For
0: sure. so that could be another you know another point to your uh starting a program being yeah being who you are being authentic yeah. as you said i think yep. that's a that's a great point so do do you have a next step now you you did talk about that uh the in school lift. You got yep. numbers out now is there a next step to this whole thing is there something that you kind of have in the back of your head that you to take the next step to take step the forward? next step
1: as a program yeah yeah we need uh, we need some 64 kids <laughs> at on the offensive line we need somebody running a four forty. i had uh, i had uh, Roman Catholic reached out to us to play a game okay um this for this past um for the for the next fall and he said uh, we should play. He's like, we don't have, we lost two of our defensive, our division one players or something to that. I'm probably, I'm not saying this exactly right, but he's like, we lost some of our Division division one players. And I said, coach, I know you still have division one players. We've had two D one players in the <laughs> past 12 years. So, you know, like seriously go away. Um, but you know, that, again, you know, I'm, I'm making jokes, but, but the biggest step for us honestly is, is um, you know, putting the pieces together. We always seem to have, Uh, either really good at a line and, and, and um, be thin at the, at the uh, skill positions or the other way around. And uh, I feel like these next couple of years, we're going to be a little bit more balanced. And so it just comes to, for us, then it's always, you know, staying healthy because our, because our depth is always not as deep, uh, you know, it's not as, we're a lot more thin than other schools that we play. And, um, and then just putting it together, putting the pieces together. So um, I think if we can do that, we'll we'll be okay. We've got really established who we are. I think offensively and defensively, and so um, you know, I feel confident in those departments. Well, coach,
0: I'm gonna let you go here. And, uh, there are some really good quotes out of this thing.
1: Uh, thing some, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, I tried. I got one more though. I don't want you to go yet. Go I'll ahead. give you something for some football guys. I'll give you one thing for yes, football. Yes, absolutely. Any yet. All right, so. We got one drill that we do every day. If they're still listening at this point, they should get something. (laughs) Yeah. Go Uh, ahead. Yeah. They're like, this guy's just rambling. So
0: (laughs) you're doing a good job, coach. It's not just rambling. There's a lot of substance to it. You're doing a
1: good job. uh, I appreciate it. So, uh, listen, I'm, I'm a different dude. I know this. And I, and I, and I, to be honest with you, it works in my advantage. So, all right, we got a drill. We call Lafayette. All right. And the reason we call it Lafayette is because I stole it from Lafayette college where I played. Okay. And it really, it's a good defensive drill. We start with four lines on the goal line. Try to picture it. I'll try and do this. I know we're audio here, but I'll try and make this so you can visualize this.
0: So far, so Four good. lines
1: on the goal line coming all facing out, facing out from the goal line. We put in the um, outside lines, we put our corners and we put our defensive ends and we put our outside linebackers. In the middle two lines, we put our D tackles, our safeties, um, and our middle linebackers. All right. And they can just mix it up however they want. That's fine. It's it's a team. It's a team drill. Okay? okay. So they're they're in four lines facing us out at about the 45 yard line. We put about five or six ball handlers, guys with 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 footballs. Okay. And they're just skill guys. And um, they're facing towards the four the four defensive players. Now, if you're visualizing this, it looks like all right, these four dudes are about to try to tackle this one dude. Well, it's kind of like that. Um, it really is. A, the goal of this drill is to get the defensive players to work in unison and to, to work on their leverage. Okay. The guys, again, on the left side, again, if they're the guys that are looking out towards the football player, the guy with the ball and that are on the left, they are right shoulder players is how we talk about it. You're a right shoulder player, meaning the ball's already before the whistle's blown on your right shoulder. You need to keep it on your right shoulder. All right. Guys on the right side of the line, the balls. If you look out at the guy with the football before the whistle's blown, he's on your left shoulder. You need to keep it on your left shoulder. Dudes in the middle two lines, you got to close the gaps. Guys on the outside, you can't let them let beat them out around you. You got to hold that leverage and you got to work flat. So whistle blows, blow the whistle, boom. Four guys sprint. Their first goal is to sprint. How far do they sprint? Eh, you know, again, they figure it out in time. They sprint about 20 yards. And as that they are sprinting, the guy with the football is sprinting towards them. Now, his goal is not to just sprint and score, right? And this is not a tackling drill. We're not tackling the ball carrier. All right, It's not a four-on-one, just smash this kid. Now, the guy with the ball, his job is to zig and zag as much as he can to make the four guys on defense work and to try to make them lose their leverage, if that makes sense. And so the the guys on the right side are trying to, again, keep that leverage, work with their partners, not create gaps where that kid can slip through, all right. And and again, on the left side, they're keeping the ball on the right shoulder. And again, they're trying to work together and not let that ball slip through or get out around them. And again, the ball carrier just is zigging, zagging until the whistle till we blow the whistle again uh, or until they kind of uh, corral him, if that makes sense. But well, we we're able to work then keeping shoulders square, uh, keeping our hips square. Right. A lot of the bad t- habits that kids get into is they turn their shoulders or they turn their hips. And then when the ball bounces out around them now they have to flip their yep. hips so they have to flip their shoulders right and it takes too long to get back in phase back into the play whereas by doing this in theory they should again create a wall some of the things that we talk about you know create a wall and this isn't a bad drill too for uh for like kickoff coverage if you think of it like that right you're trying to squeeze it down and at the same time not get beat or out around the outside um and so that's one of the drills that we work almost every defensive practice uh, as a group, again, we call it Lafayette, and it really does pay off. A lot of times, then we watch game film. You know, we'll push pause sometimes. We'll be like, "What is this right here? What is this?" And you'll see like a ball carrier, and maybe it's not three defenders or four defenders, maybe it's three, right? Or maybe it's just two. And like, what did this turn? What did this just turn into? And the kids get it. You know, they're like Lafayette, and they learn that patience of I don't have to take a dive right now at this this guy with the football. I can work with my buddy to the right of me or to the left of me. Right. And we can we can slow play this. Right. And and he's not gaining yards. And, you know, our, our friends are coming to help. At, and and we're also working to make sure that this guy doesn't either crease us or bounce out, bounce out around the outside of us. So, again, it's a good drill for us if you can visualize that. And if you have any questions, you can always reach out to me. But uh, we try to do that every defense practice.
0: When I was envisioning this podcast, yeah, when I was kind of coming up with a concept. Coach, this <laughs> this episode is what I was envisioning. Talk a go. lot about you know the, getting in you know getting in depth with your, your program, not just the the football part of things, but you know how you, how you build it up, coaching staff stuff like that, and then the drill. Like, I, yeah, I, that, that's awesome. The drill is awesome. Thanks. Yeah, yeah,
1: it's a good it's a good one. Again, it's good, especially for your young guys. When right? you especially when you for your young guys.
0: when you said about kickoff, I was thinking that like the kickoff and punt coverage. That's yeah. that leverage thing is so important. That's yeah. so important. Yeah that, that that uh that's a that's a good one. Yeah every every team should be doing some kind of leverage thing and that's a good way to do it right there. That's something you could even do you could do that without pads in there. You could do that in the oh, off yeah. season. For we sure. do. It.
1: We do Oh, we do it. I mean, I guarantee you we'll do minicamp in May. One And probably the first thing we do in our defensive practice will be Lafayette. For the guys that don't know it, we'll be like, figure it out. You yep. know, Here we go. That's awesome. And uh, we just we just do it and do it and do it. And, again, sprint, break down, keep your leverage, keep your leverage, and just you know roll through it. We tend to, if, if they get creased or if they get beat around the outside, usually we create a punishment. We make them go again first. That's the first thing. We to go Ooh, again, okay. back to line. That sucks. Right? Yep. They got to go again. If they get creased or they get beat a second time, usually then it's like, sprint down to the other end of the field and back. And I mean, so something there's just a little bit of punishment in there for them not working together, but, uh, you know, that's, I don't know. That's, that's how we do it.
0: That's a great drill. That's awesome. Yep. Well, coach, I'm going to, I'm going to let you go here. I'm going to cut you off, but this was, this was great. This is a really good, uh, good interview you're welcome. If there's anything else that you feel like you got to share that you got to get off your shoulders, get off your chest, whatever (laughs) you're welcome to come back anytime and and do an interview, but this was great.
1: I appreciate you having me on and it's fun. And, uh, I love talking football. So anybody who ever wants to talk football with me, they can reach out to me anytime. Like I said, I don't have all the answers and I don't have many answers. That's probably the best thing I've is I don't have a lot of, uh, I, I went into this with no, uh, no preconceived. Hey, I know everything. And, and, um, that's probably been part of what's allowed us to have success and me to keep a great coaching staff together and, and, uh, us to do it collectively at Cedar Crest.
0: Well, coach, thanks again. I hope you have a good evening, man.
1: Yes, sir. Thank you. Take care. Go Falcons. Take care. See you, Mark.